Welcome to Talking Nutritionally. I'm Ellie McLean, your host and nutritionist. Through this podcast, I hope to connect you with the answers to your biggest nutrition-related questions. Each week, I interview experts in their field from training to hormone health, fertility, body composition, metabolic health, gut health, and so much more. We cover it all because it all influences you achieving peak health and performance. I hope you enjoy tuning in each week. If you do, please be sure to follow me for more via Instagram at Nutritionally. And please also be aware that this show is not intended to treat or diagnose any health conditions. And if you do need tailored support, please explore more at nutritionally.com. In episode 12, I welcome clinical nutritionist, skincare specialist, and founder of Jacqueline Evans Skincare. She's had over 15 years in the wellness industry with experience spanning from pathology lab work to private practice and now in having her own skincare range. Her range, Jacqueline Evans, has been named one of Australia's top 10 beauty brands by Vogue Australia. Jackie is incredibly passionate about the healing power of nature and is on a quest to help women fall head over heels in love with their skin and glow with confidence. If you have a skincare regime and or skin and digestive challenges, then this is an interview you don't want to miss. Jackie talks to us about the ingredients in skincare products that we need to avoid and why, including parabens, SLS and phylates. We dive into skin mapping and how you can understand what the skin on your face is trying to tell you simply by where your breakouts and skin issues are. We also look into the gut-skin axis, an emerging area of medicine, which will totally change the way you think about your skin and gut. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So I've been looking forward to this conversation for a little while because she is so knowledgeable in all things skin. So thank you, Jackie, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ali, for having me this morning. It's lovely to be here. You're very welcome. Um, So there's lots of different avenues we could go down on the topic of skin, which, you know, maybe we will in future, who knows, gut and skin and hormones and skin and bacteria and skin and all the like. Um, Today I want to dial in on gut skin and, of course, we'll go down down some rabbit holes, but um, that's the primary reason why I wanted to chat with you. Before we get stuck into details, though, do you want to just tell people a bit about you, your background, what brought you to the to the point of having your own skincare range? Yes, of course. Hi, everyone. So um, I trained as a naturopath and nutritionist, gosh, a long time ago, a couple of decades ago now. Um, and when I finished my training, I headed overseas to the UK and I was really fortunate to work under a pharmacist there who ran a really unique kind of pharmacy where she was compounding creams, compounding lotions, compounding all of the herbal formulations for anyone that came in the door for any sort of condition. So I was under her wings for two years and I had this major light bulb moment where I'd spent all these years studying about what we put in our bodies and everything we eat Um, and I kind of had never even stopped to consider what we put on our bodies. And of course our skin is our largest organ Mm. and it's our very, very first line of defense. 
and it's a permeable permeable membrane, meaning what we put on it, we have the potential to absorb into our bloodstream. So to me, all of a sudden I was like, wow, this is insanely important. It makes a difference what you are putting on your skin to your health outcomes. Because then of course I started learning all about ingredients and what ingredients can potentially do to your skin. And at the same time, I was also really fascinated by just the whole science of getting these really good ingredients and blending them up and turning them into something, a cream, a lotion, a toner or something. I just, I love that side of that side of what I do. Um, And so I was always dabbling away at making things sort of at home in the garage and really love just creating different products. And then at home in the garage, I'm imagining sort of like steam coming out of. Oh, um, literally like at one point in my journey when I started, so this is like fast forwarding 10 years when I created the brand Jacqueline Evans Skincare, I, I took over my house. So I moved kids into the same room so that I could use my daughter's room to dispatch from. I was um, converted the garage into a mini laboratory to make things (laughs) in. Um, The dining room was just always filled with products. It was chaos for a while there (laughs) until I, until I got a, got a premises, but yes, it was, it very much started, um, at home in the yeah. kitchen in the garage until it sort of transitioned to Beyond from a hobby startup. into a job. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um but look going back to yeah so I left the UK and then I worked in a pathology lab for about 10 years and in the lab so this is a functional pathology lab that does all the really good testing that you do in clinic, you know, your salivary hormones, your stool testing. It does all the blood tests. It was a general pathology lab Mm. and also a functional pathology lab. And I was a technical manager there. So I essentially just researched and developed new tests. Um, Basically, I just did research. I just got to be like a major nerd and go in and read research and then translate it to what it means um, for people if they do these tests. Mm. And I really specialised in the area of women's health and hormones there. So I was doing a lot with the salivary hormone tests, looking at hormones, um, a lot with cortisol testing, looking at stress levels. And I just was constantly, um, I guess, alarmed at the number of results I was seeing coming back showing hormonal imbalance in females, showing stress levels in females, showing, you know, um, suboptimal gut function. And I was like, wow, we've sort of got this really major um, undercurrent of issues going on in society. This is, this is crazy. Mm. And then kind of I drew this kind of really loose link and, knew that there was an ingredient in skincare that was a known endocrine disruptor, mm. and this is parabens, and I'm sure we'll talk about ingredients later. Mm. Um, and so I drew this sort of link that went, wow, we're putting all this stuff on our bodies that has the potential to disrupt hormones, mm. and there's all this other stuff going on. Of course, that was just one tiny part of the puzzle. Um, 
But as an end result, I'm seeing all these patient pathology reports showing imbalanced hormones. Mm -hmm. Why don't I create a skincare line that supports hormones and doesn't have these ingredients in there that further disrupt hormones or contribute to any um, underlying hormonal conditions? So that was kind Mm -hmm. of my like um, aha moment where I went, right, I'm going to start a skincare brand that's going to be beautiful, clean ingredients that do not compromise health. So any ingredient that was slightly dubious just didn't go in there. Mm. Um, And I just only wanted to use really good quality ingredients that had a function on the skin. Mm. Because as I said, we know that we absorb what we put onto our skin. Let's just think of um, a nicotine patch, Ellie. We use that on the skin to curb um, nicotine cravings because it absorbed into the bloodstream Mm. um yeah so that was kind of why I started it I guess from that's kind of satisfied the part in my brain that needed the the science link to starting Mm. a skincare brand but then all of a sudden I started this skincare brand and all of a sudden I was just in the beauty industry (laughs) and I was like oh this is not where I'm used to being (laughs) this is not where I'm used to being and I mean, people don't even believe me now when I say I don't even now have this amazing skincare routine. I just, it's so simple. I don't, I'm not one of these people that uses 15 million products every morning and every night. I know the non-negotiables with skincare, but I wanted it to be really simple and not about, not about beauty as we know it. I wanted to disrupt this whole concept of the beauty industry that is just these filtered beautiful false images of Mm. you know quote unquote perfect skin which is just not true at all um, and show people that skin health is actually about a healthy skin not a glowing skin necessarily glowing skin and a clear skin are a wonderful side effect but it's about a healthy skin and we do that from the inside out so I coined this term beauty from the inside out and that's kind of the philosophy of the range. Love it. I love it. Um, can we talk a little bit more about ingredients because that caught my attention, which means I'm sure it's going to catch other people's attention. Um, yeah. You know, when I'm talking to uh, clients with, with hormone imbalances or, uh, and, and, and let's put thyroid hormones in that category as well. So reproductive and thyroid hormone imbalances, mm. um, I'll, you know, definitely start talking about what toxins they're exposed to, what products they're using, you know, personal and household, but the connection is not there. Well, mm. for most people, the connection is not there, especially if they haven't already started the tra- transition themselves. So they're like, yes, you're my nutritionist. Why are you asking me to start a, yes. a low-tox yeah. skincare regime? Um, so what are some of the standout ingredients that A, you wouldn't use in your product and B, someone might see listed on their skincare products that they should be trying to avoid? And I imagine sorry to go on, but from a, um, from a business ethics standpoint that have like, there have been some challenging crossroads because I imagine big businesses use these ingredients because they're effective, affordable. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is it. A hundred percent. This is why they use their, 
um, cheap to produce and they they give the desired end results. Um, so, yeah, that is challenging because it means when you choose to use ingredients for a function that are safe, yes, they're more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we cast that aside for a second and just think about um, our skin as our largest organ and we know that it's permeable, we've talked about the nicotine patch, we know that it's permeable. And another think one of, that people might resonate with, sorry, is like their yeah. estrogen patches if they're using absolutely like HRT, yep. you know, another direct yes. um, pointer to how permeable that, permeable that skin is. Yeah, really good thinking. Absolutely. Um, And so think about just waking up in the morning, what you might do. Shampoo, condition your hair, cleanse your face, put moisturiser on, perhaps a serum. You've cleaned your teeth, um, maybe a body lotion. You might put some hairspray in, mascara, all of the makeup, deodorant. Um, You know, it kind of goes on and on and on. And that's not even thinking about kind of the household products. I'm just talking body and skincare here. So it's estimated that by the time the average female walks out the door, they've exposed themselves to up to 150 um, chemicals. Toxins. Toxins, yeah, potential toxins. Um, And if our body on the inside isn't working optimally, if our gut function, if our liver's not detoxing well, then we can have this cumulative effect of these um, toxic ingredients and our body can no longer metabolize them and then we can begin to see issues. Mm -hmm. So what we put on our skin is hugely important. And for people that are making the transition um, to using uh, cleaner skincare and body care, I would say start with the things that remain on your body. So, for example, um, if you don't want to, you know, throw everything out at once, if that's too overwhelming, start with the things that stay on. So a moisturiser you keep on your your face and don't wash off, whereas a cleanser you put on and you wash off, so it's not not as much of a concern. So Mm. start with things like moisturisers and body creams that are remaining on your skin and have a higher potential to be absorbed. Um, So ingredient-wise, yeah, there are... A couple that um, I think it's best to completely avoid. Um, So the first one that I like to avoid is the family of sodium lauryl sulfates. Yes, I've heard you mention this one. Yeah, so sodium lauryl sulfates are what give uh, products their foamability. So... Um, a lot of people like a cleanser that foams because it makes us feel nice and clean. Mm. Um, and it's in our shampoos and conditioners as well. Anything that has the potential to lather and foam mm. will likely have a derivative of sodium lauryl sulfate in it. And um, I, just a very quick side note on fo- mm. foaming, because this is something that sticks in my mind. I read a book called The Power of Habit, and in there was you know, lots around the psychology of habits and habit loops and how habit has been used basically by industry and marketing companies to make us want to buy more. And they, Mm. in this book, it described that toothpaste was originally never foaming. It was only, I think in the first or second world war where the American army needed to motivate their men to brush their teeth. So the teeth wouldn't Uh. fall out 
at war, so they decided to make it foamy and minty so that it would give them immediate sense of gratification for brushing their teeth. Interesting, yeah. And I think, my God, was, is that the start of us adding sodium lauryl sulfate to skincare products? Probably, yeah, I would say probably because I think um, we think it's in about 90% of, of personal skincare or personal care and cleaning products. Um, so it's everywhere. Wow, that's so interesting, isn't it, that they're at, they're it's a bit like adding salt to food to make us yeah, make it taste better and, and more sugar. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's probably a really similar concept that's happening in um beauty products mm-hmm. um and personal care. Yeah. The problem with sodium laurel sulfates is that they um have a potential to interact and combine with other toxins to form nitrosamines, which we know is a um carcinogen. Um, but ultimately they damage our precious bacteria mantle on our skin. It, um, strips the skin of its natural oils, um, and therefore disrupts our skin's very own microbiome, which in turn affects our, um, gut microbiome. And they also, um, uh, are a major source of um, it's just an irritant for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it, a lot of people um, might experience just sensitive skin from it or eczema from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so sodium lauryl sulfate is um, used in our car engines to degrease our car engines. It's a Ooh. pretty full on ingredient. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty full on. Um, so yes. we want to avoid that definitely. Yeah. Um, and I talked at the start about parabens, which was kind of my aha moment. Mm. Um, and interesting now, what a lot of manufacturers have done have made their skincare paraben free. Yes, yeah. Um, which is amazing, but they're just also they're then kind of just using something else that just kind of does the same does the same thing. Yeah. So a paraben is is used to preserve a product. So it makes sure a product can sit on the shelf at your supermarket, in your pharmacy, in your health food store, wherever, for a long period of time without um, getting mould and bacteria and spoiling. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it's absolutely necessary and every product must have a preservative in there. The wonderful thing about nature is that it's provided us this toolkit of um, safe, effective preservatives that Mm -hmm. we can use to ensure that products don't spoil because the issue with parabens is that they are known endocrine disruptors so um they mimic estrogens um in our body uh and obviously anyone that's suffering through any estrogen dominant hormonal condition should absolutely be avoiding parabens But we know with kind of these um, exogenous sources of um, estrogens like plastics, um, poultry potentially, there's so many in the environment. So we may as well just limit it in our skincare as well. Limit it where we can. Limit where we can, absolutely. 
And does it say parabens on the ingredient list of the product or will it be there under another name? I'm just thinking like in the food space, you know, sugar is not always sugar. It could be listed on the food product as, um, you know, apple juice or fructose or it could be agave syrup. You know, there's there's different ways of hiding it so it doesn't sound exactly like sugar. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it it will have the word usually paraben in it, but it might, the word paraben would be preceded by ethyl or methyl. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think ethyl, paraben, methyl, paraben, um, propyl paraben, butyl paraben. So there are a few different ways. So you really need to know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, the skincare industry as a whole, so it's kind of going off topic a bit, but is is really largely unregulated um and it's not like the food industry where certain things can't go in it's it's pretty unregulated so a lot can go in there even though it's shown to not necessarily be safe wow um let's take fragrance for example ellie so Mm -hmm. um a bit like your example of um toothpaste they added mint there so it tasted great for the the soldiers or the army guys um so fragrance is added to everything you know our shampoo smells amazing um our body lotions smell amazing everything smells lovely we're driven by smell we want to use a product that smells good it's almost how we judge a product oh your your hair smells amazing yes yes yeah it's kind of the first thing if it's if it smells good and so oftentimes for a lot of mainstream products um, you'll find an ingredient fragrance and that's essentially, or, per, or it might be called perfume. That ingredient alone might have up to 1,500 different ingredients just to it. get that word fragrance. <laughs> um, so that's a lot and yeah. none of those would be listed uh, safe and none okay. of those are listed. Okay. Yeah. Um, does that also mean that within the industry there can be claims made about the products that are un- unregulated? Um, no, that's pretty uh, in terms of the therapeutic claims. Yeah, you know, this will reduce wrinkles by X percent or this, th- those well, sorts of claims. Yeah. Um, no, that's pretty well regulated. It's more in terms okay. of ingredients. So you yeah. can't really, you shouldn't really, I think where I say it's unregulated is, probably not the things we're seeing in big stores, but there is so much available over the internet yeah, um, yeah. in markets and everywhere that there's not a lot of regulation around the whole industry as a whole. Yeah. Um, but certainly anytime you see a label on any product, you've got to satisfy requirements um, with the TGA. So you can't make claims that it cures any skin condition. So a bit like how um, the claims with our su- supplement um supplements that we use yeah yeah um okay well that's good to know at least people aren't being entirely um misled with the with the outcomes of their products Um, no but i think we're being misled by the the clever marketing you know it's like they know now that most people know about parabens and want to avoid parabens Mm -hmm. so they'll just slam a big stamp on the product and say paraben free so people think oh this is great but they're not still not turning the bottle over and reading all the other ingredients and seeing that it's kind of like a cocktail of 
other toxic ingredients. They might not have put parabens in there, but what have they put in its place and what does that do? And what about all the other ingredients? So um, I think sort of that greenwashing is pretty big in the skincare industry because you're targeting the beauty industry. And so everyone wants, everyone is conscious of their skin. That is one thing I've learned. Everyone is so highly conscious of their skin. It's what we can see, right? We can't see an imbalanced gut. We can't see poor liver detoxification, but we can see and touch and feel our skin. And so the beauty industry knows this and they can play on it. They can tell you that this product is going to reduce wrinkles or anti-aging or, you know, the marketing behind these brands is just so... um, big and strong and really plays on our insecurities. Yeah, they have a captive audience. They definitely do. Um, yeah. Any other major ingredients before I move on? Because it's a question I'm burning, dying to ask you, but any other uh, major ingredients um, aside from the... The other one I would just say is phylates. Um, so phylates are um, a group of chemicals that increase flexibility and softness in plastic. So they're in like our plastic bottles and things. Mm-hmm but we'll find it in a lot of um, body care products like nail polish, perfumes, creams, even hairspray. Um, And these also are known endocrine disruptors. So we don't want to be using any um, phylates either. I mean, there's lots. I'll do, I'll send you, um, your audience might be interested in the reference uh, website that I use to check ingredients. It's a skincare database um, called the Environmental Working Group and you can plug your ingredient in there and it rates it. It rates its toxicity and safety and then gives you all the references to um, the latest studies on that ingredient and what it potentially does in the body. It's a really good reference if you're interested in understanding ingredients in skincare. Amazing. I've made a note of it. Um, yes. I'll include it in the show notes for people to check out. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so on the subject of people being so hyper-conscious of their skin because people can see it, yeah. I 100% agree with that. You know, in clinic there's questions around often um, acne I'll see people for or dark circles under their eyes, Um uh, moving away from the face, sometimes it'll be like, you know, spots on the back of the arms, above the elbow type thing. There's the things I often um, get from people. But talk to us about what, like, what manifestations on the face may mean. Off air, we were talking about skin mapping. I use it with my clients, but I'd love to hear it from someone who is far more uh, experienced in the area what is like what is our face skin trying to tell us yes so so interesting our um so much i think of skin health is is about understanding the messages that your skin's trying to to give you um so face mapping essentially it's um well it's an old uh it's been around in chinese medicine for you know hundreds of thousands of years and it's essentially um a way that views the face as a map with each section connecting to different internal organs. Um, so by just understanding where a breakout's occurring, let's talk specifically at the moment, say for acne, for example, mm. um, where the breakouts are occurring can really identify 
which system in the body might be going through something. Um, because most people that experience acne will, will kind of know this. They'll go, it's always on my forehead or always on my chin or always there. They'll kind of have particular areas that they're prone to breaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really useful technique just to um, begin the work as a clinician to know where you're going to start your treatment. Um, so if we think of um, the forehead, if we kind of move through the face, um, the the forehead and breakouts on the forehead are often associated with stress and diet. Um, also think of just the forehead on its own. Obviously you've got the whole hairline there. So mm-hmm. any breakouts, you know, right on the hairline could be as simple as being associated with the shampoo and conditioner that you're using that might be causing an irritation on the hairline there. Um, but ones sort of more along the, the forehead are, are often associated with stress. So we start to look at the, the nervous system there. Mm. Um, and a really interesting one between the eyebrows. Mm. Sometimes people get um, breakouts there. So uh, that can be associated with often just too much alcohol. A, a breakout between the eyebrows has, has that link with um, an excess of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, the cheeks, the cheeks are sort of more of an environmental breakout. So it might be more like, you know, air pollution causing a, break, a, a breakout or bacteria from the likes of, you know, your pillowcase mm. or your mobile phone. Um, do you know that apparently your mobile phone has more bacteria on it than a toilet seat? I could imagine that. <laughs> I could absolutely so, imagine that in all the random places it gets left. But, oh, I know, random places. Like when do we ever think. wipe it down and our dirty old fingers? Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I know, it's so gross. And obviously, yeah, really important just I talk a lot about hygiene too. So, you know, changing your pillowcase really regularly um, is so important for just the health of the bacteria on your skin. Um, And when we're talking about chin, so chin breakouts are associated more with a hormonal imbalance. Mm -hmm. And and then you get the jawline breakouts and often these jawline breakouts breakouts are usually the ones that are quite deep and cystic and sore um and these are associated with well this is an indication that there's issues with the gut and the digestive system so we need to start there so we can kind of use the face and mapping it where we're looking to determine where we start are we starting with the nervous system are we starting with hormones are we starting with with gut is it hygiene and environmental, um, you know, even like temples. So little breakouts in your temples or areas there can just be associated with dehydration and poor lymphatic circulation. So it might just be simple as looking at the amount of of water that the person's consuming. So Mm -hmm. some really, really interesting things to connect skin health um, with what's going on in the inside. Definitely. And I think people are like starting to, be really conscious of this. I don't know if it's a reflection of just the people that I surround myself with and the clients that I see. I think people are starting to realize that, okay, my products are one thing, but what else can I do to help, like to help my skin? What is it telling me? Or, you know, I just don't want to go back on another course of Rakuten um, that my my doctors offered me type thing. Um, So they're starting to cotton on to that. How? So good. Yeah, so which is good. great. It's revolutionary it's, in itself. 
Well, it is because um, you have to address the inside, Ellie. You just, this, something showing up on your skin is an indicator that something is imbalanced on the inside. I swear. It's, it's, so we have to address the inside, you know, Ray Accutane and the pill, you know, we know that they will work to a degree, but as soon as people go off them and let alone what side effects they're left with, et cetera, Mm. if you haven't addressed that root cause, then it's just going to come back, isn't it? So you've got to go in, drill in and, and really identify the root cause. And anyway, at the end of the day, I kind of really believe that something like acne is just a symptom. It's not the diagnosis. Mm. Yeah. That's the symptom of something else. So talk to me about the gut-related breakouts. I think you said the jawline. Um, I would often, you know, rightly or wrongly um, treat sort of chin um, as well as gut-related, but, you know, maybe there's a gut yes. relation to most, to most of it as well. Yeah, but, well, um, jaw and chin are kind of your, your gut and hormones area. Uh, which yeah. is great, you know, that's 80% of people I see in clinic gut and hormone challenges. But, yes, uh, <laughs> what is that connection? How? Because most people will be thinking, all right, well, my gut's down there behind my belly button, my sternum, and my chin's up yes. here. How, yes. how on earth am I getting breakouts here because of what's going on down there? Yes. Yeah, great question. So Big this question. Uh, be a huge question and a um it's start wherever you want. It's, it's just this like major emerging field of medicine, what we call the gut skin axis. And it's simply put, the gut skin axis is means how our gut health affects our skin health. That's kind of simply what it means. And I think it's so easy to forget that our skin is a vital functioning organ. Like, you know, we can think about our, our liver. Exactly. Part of our immune system. Um, and we forget that it is this functioning organ. Um, in fact, it comprises about 10 to 15% of your body weight. So we know it's also the largest organ. I did organ. not know it was that, like that significant in terms I know. of weight. Huge, That's a huh? really interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge, huge, massive. Um, let's think about kind of skin problems and gut stuff. So even if we just think about someone who has an allergy, say a food allergy, that might show up in the form of hives. So there's an allergy, which is essentially uh, the gut and immune dysfunction, but it's showing up in the body as hives. So it's affecting the skin. Um, and, and there's just so many more and more studies coming out showing this association between skin disorders and, and gut health. Mm. Um, it's suggested that up to 40% of people with inflammatory bowel disease are also showing skin complaints. I could totally uh, that. Just anecdotally yeah. with what I see in clinic. Yeah. Yes, I could. Yeah, 100%. interesting. So interesting. Um, and then... A huge amount, and this would be interesting if you see this in clinic too, but acne and rosacea patients, Mm -hmm. a large percentage of them are likely to have SIBO, small intestinal bowel, um, bacterial overgrowth, 
So that's a really common thing to see in, in acne and rosacea patients. Um, I mean, even something like uh, dull skin. No one wants dull skin. Dull mm. skin, obviously there's dull skin and there's dehydrated skin, but if we're talking about dull skin, dull skin uh, might just be a symptom of low digestive enzymes. So suboptimal, you know, absorption in the yeah. body is leading to just because you're not getting the nutrients out to the skin um, and leading to dull skin. So there's, there's a, a big association. A general lack of, yeah. Um, so the skin and the gut both have epithelial cells and it's like this super highway. They are talking 24-7, these cells. There's constant secretions going between the gut and the skin in these cells and it's also at the same time in touch with the nervous system and our immune systems also. So it's almost like the gut, skin, nervous, immune system kind of axis is all in one. Mm. Um, and, and we know that bacteria and bacteria byproducts interact with our immune system and our metabolism and our hormone pathways. And when this is compromised in the gut, so when our microbiome in the gut is compromised, mm. it creates this stress-related response in the skin through this gut-skin axis because um, the bacteria in the gut can affect things like our cell turnover um, of our skin cells mm -hmm. and that in itself can lead to rosacea, dermatitis, acne. Um, so this whole concept of the skin microbiome is just so important you know we know so much and you i know you how much you talk about the gut microbiome and how important that is but we've also got to protect our um our skin microbiome and we do that by supporting our gut microbiome because that in turn supports our skin microbiome um and we do that by using good quality ingredients that aren't going to disrupt that microbiome and beautiful bacteria mantle um so we have to address that's kind of gut skin access from the inside out yeah and is is the is the disrupted gut microbiome going to manifest in whatever you know the weakness is for that body you know eczema or rosacea or breakouts or is it more specific than that? So like you said, um, reduced digestive capacity or low enzyme secretion can manifest in dull skin. Mm. Can we be as specific as saying that, you know, leaky gut is the rosacea or leaky gut is the acne or bacterial imbalance is the acne? Is there yeah. that direct link between the type of skin manifest manifestation and the type of issue that's going on in the gut or do we not quite have that degree of connection yet? I, I think that we're, as humans, far too complex for it to be that simple. I think for, you know, for the most case it can be like that, that you go, okay, there's leaky gut, you might be, let's take the rosacea link. Mm. But I think there's just so much going on as well in, in anyone's body. You know, we have to be looking at diet we have to be looking at um, insulin regulation, mm. liver detoxification, cortisol regulation. Like there's just so many other factors that could be contributing to other things or improving that or worsening that. You know, I, th I think we're probably far too 
complex to have it as simple as that. Mm. Um, but that link is is definitely there and, you know, I mean, you would see it in clinic. Anytime anyone comes in with a skin complaint, I'm sure the first place you go is the gut. And most people don't often will say they don't have gut issues. Gut they issues, might say, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's fine. No, I'm not. They don't mm. often realise that they do and so they can be confused why we're going in to assess the gut with a stool test. Mm, um, you know, and it's it's and it might not always be the gut. It might be, as I said, it might be cortisol or insulin or liver detoxification, but so much of it stems back to the gut because yeah. we just know how closely these two are interlinked and how closely these two talk to each other all the time. And but it's I think there is there is um, maybe I shouldn't say always, but it's the gut is it's more often than not going to play a part. So just thinking of a common scenario where, you know, um, someone might come in, let's say it's a a female between the years of 18 and 28. I'm not talking about Mm -hmm. more adult acne here, maybe more like, you know, younger adult acne breakouts. Sometimes we might get to the point of doing a gut microbiome assessment, either by a Mm -hmm. metabiome or complete microbiome map. But invariably, when we clean up the diet and we take care of other symptoms that might be the lack of sleep uh, and the the stress that the stress that's present either because of work or university or just general life, mm-hmm. um, the skin starts to improve. And it's not to say we yes. haven't done any gut work because this person, yes. like these people, often come from eating you know, too much in the way of processed carbohydrates for their body, not enough protein, not enough non-starchy veg and yes. all of the prebiotics that come with that. So there is yes. there is always gut work being done. I guess there's just different degrees as to absolutely degrees of gut health work that need to be done. Absolutely. And like think of um let's take about talk about sugar for a second and and what sugar does on the skin so you're talking about in these patients you know you might not be specifically going in and doing a gut repair program but you're cleaning up the diet if someone's eating a lot of sugar one it's a dehydrating agent so it's going to be contributing to um a dehydrated um skin um two it's causes an increase in our insulin and this increase in our insulin kind of sets off this cascade and it might create an increase in our androgens like testosterone and DHEA and then this stimulates the production of sebum which is that oil responsible for clogging pores and then we see the end result as as acne so just by even removing sugar yes you're you're helping the gut but you're also um, as a beautiful side effect, improving hormones oh as well. And then on top of that, sugar um, also leads to premature wrinkling because we, we know that as we age, we lose our collagen and collagen is what keeps our skin youthful and collagen obviously is such a buzzword at the moment. Yeah. Everyone wants to drink collagen and um, which is great, amazing, because it has so many incredible benefits on the skin and um, for your gut. Um, when we eat a lot of sugar, the sugar molecule attaches itself to collagen and it, it 
changes changes the molecular structure of collagen and it becomes really stiff and inflexible. Mm-hmm. And we see that translate in the skin as deep lines mm-hmm. and sure wrinkling. So, you know, you can see there are three reasons, hormones, dehydrating um, and affecting collagen, three big reasons why we need to remove sugar um, for someone that's suffering skin conditions and that's going to have an impact on gut health, hormonal health. Yeah. It's, um, it's a multi-pronged approach just mm. by sim- like, yeah, simply cleaning up your diet and removing your excess sugar intake. Yes. And, yeah, absolutely. And when we say sugar, this is not for your benefit, this is for everyone else's benefit because I find that people still think of sugar as being the Allen snakes or the sweetened beverages um, or the, you know, the chocolate. When we're talking about sugar, we are talking about processed carbohydrates. So that's bread, it's pasta, it's cereals, it's, mm-hmm. you know, breakfast bars and even in there the less processed carbohydrates. So our whole foods even in excess. Yeah. It's still sugar and in excess they'll still have a potentially detrimental impact um, based on what you're saying on collagen and and also on the gut. We know that they will when they're there in excess. So that includes our fruits, our starchy vegetables and our grains and and pseudo-grains. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the big one when, you know, particularly again when you're talking about acne is just what these refined carbohydrates do to our you know, blood sugar, our insulin leading mm-hmm. to that sort of androgen production. And, you know, I think when you're treating acne, the first thing people want to go to is, well, it must be my hormones. And mm-hmm. you don't need to go in straight away and address the hormones. You address the gut. You obviously address the insulin regulation. Mm-hmm. You address the detoxification and the stress. And by doing all of that, if it's necessary, you that's that's fixing the hormones so you don't actually always have to go in and fix the hormones you go in kind of a step below that support them. And, and address and support them um th- through other methods yeah so essentially you know we don't need to always go in with you know the hormone um modulating um herbs whether it be herbs or even um you know your hormone replacement we don't always need to do that if we take care of all the surrounding things that just allow the body to balance and harmonize hormones naturally which is what the body wants to do right exactly exactly that's a beautiful description of it exactly yeah exactly and that is root cause that is finding the root cause that is fixing the issue at the source that's how you get long-term results absolutely and um and talk about a skincare range where you said, you know, you didn't, you didn't want to, um, you didn't want, or you don't have a huge skincare regime, nor do I imagine you want to promote that with your business. You don't mm. need a huge skincare re- regime when you're taking care of things from the inside out. You exactly. Know, reduce alcohol, reduce sugar, get more real food in, reduce stress, sleep more. Yes. That drink that more is, water. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The other stuff is just the the. Um, the icing on the cake or the stuff that helps us to balance out, you know, the dirt and the toxins that we're surrounded by day to day. We just absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Like think of um, the average, I'm sure most women, if we opened their bathroom vanity, like can you, we all have so many products. We're all guilty of it. Um, mm. But you're right. It's so much of it comes back to diet and lifestyle. 
absolutely so much yeah um I know I am just one person but I would say the thing that had the biggest difference on my skin was when I significantly reduced alcohol so I've yeah okay. I've I guess I've been on a you know, a big health journey sort of between now and my teenage years. I've always been conscious Mm. of what I eat, but I did definitely have a sugar addiction in my early twenties and not a very good relationship with food and um, Mm. an obsessive relationship with calories. And even still through cleaning all of that up in my later twenties, it wasn't until I really reduced alcohol to the point where I might have a drink a month Mm-hmm. that my skin really changed and it wasn't immediate but I just noticed people mm. saying to me oh your skin looks great and even me looking in the mirror for the first time in a long time thinking oh wow like my tones even yeah. and mainly the even tone and yes not the circles under the eyes not that I was a big drinker but just the brightness coming back to yeah you're referring so to interesting before. and you know it makes so much sense because we know that alcohol again or well, number one it's dehydrating mm-hmm. um but number two it contributes to um inflammation mm-hmm. and inflammation is probably um you know one of the major up there causes of both gut and skin and, issues yeah. so it, it makes total sense that when um someone is alcohol free that their skin does have better tone is glowing more is clearer because you've um reduced the inflammation there yeah and for for what it's worth my gut has also never been as good as it has since really reducing alcohol interesting Um, yeah so I'm in a bit one bit of an alcohol mission at the moment with clients not just because my own journey because this has been something that I've experienced for years and years now not drinking alcohol but I just wish people could see how differently they'd feel without too much alcohol yeah. in their in their um in their day to day, and not be embarrassed or ashamed to say to people, "Oh, I'm not having a drink today or tonight." Yeah, it's um such a cultural thing, isn't it? It's a big, big cultural thing. Mm. Um, and I think it's um I don't know if you've noticed in clinic, but it was a crutch for so many people for the last couple of years, and yeah. people probably haven't quite realised how much of it has has crept in I mean I'm guilty absolutely it was um a crutch for me during the the pandemic um yeah so yeah I think it's a really um important thing to be focusing on for for people at the moment definitely yeah um the pandemic I think people went to one of two ways well my my clients at least they were Mm. all into you know detoxes and and um gut rebuilding um, strategies Mm. whilst they weren't doing a lot of social eating and entertaining they were Mm. like yeah I want to do it now um Mm. or they were like hands up help me because eating and alcohol is what's getting me through pandemic and I need to draw a line in the sand yes yes too long so yeah oh I feel like me I had multiple lockdown personalities (laughs) I I I lived through them all I was like right I'm a wellness warrior right now. I am. My body is a temple. Okay, now not so much. Um, yeah, I moved through lots of different personalities oh. during that lockdown. Oh, I'm glad you. I hope you found the strongest one and um, carried on with that one. It was definitely exactly a, a, definitely a big life lesson. Not life lesson, but will uh, do you think any of us will ever go through anything like that again? You know that it's a I know the once in a lifetime, once in every 
century I think so. experience. I, I'm sure I'm sure it must be. Mm. I'm sure it must be. Yeah. We hope so. Yes. We hope so. And like you said, we must just, you know, you gotta with everything, I think you've got to learn and under, try and try and find the lesson in it for you personally. Obviously we can't explain it from a global level, but for yeah. you, uh, for each of us personally, I'm sure we can go inward and, and try and find um, some sort of lessons or silver linings or uh, some positive out of yeah, it. From it. Definitely. Mm. So um, tell listeners where they can find out more about your range. Cause I know I, um, I want to have a look at the moisturizer now because that's what's on my body for the longest and my face moisturizer, I'm pretty sure, feels yes. fantastic and does a good job, but I don't think it is free of the ingredients that you talked about. I need to go have a look. But, yeah, tell us more about yeah. where you can find your range. Um, my website is jacquelineevans.com.au and I've got a really big um, blog section in there, Ellie, so your um, listeners can go in and they can type in ingredients or gut skin or acne yeah. and I've got lots and lots of articles in there that they might find useful. Um, and on Instagram, I'm at Jay Evans Skincare. Um, and I try to, yeah, I try to educate as much as I can because I just, um, yeah, it's just mm. so important that people realise that um, there isn't a magic cream, there isn't a magic lotion. You know, when you're dealing with chronic skin conditions, you, you to start on the inside you just you just have to you have to use good skincare too you do you absolutely do because that will just make it worse or not allow it to get better yeah yeah Yeah. you just have to do um both in conjunction with each other and I just want to finish I know you want to probably wrap me up but I just (laughs) want to say to people if they are transitioning to a cleaner um brand the skin our skin sheds a layer every 24 hours, but every 28 days it completely renews itself. So when you're changing over to a new moisturiser, for example, um, you might notice for the first week or two that your skin might have a little breakout or, you know, like a healing crisis, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's really natural as you're switching over to to clean products because of the way the skin renews every 28 days. Mm -hmm. So you need to give everything a a good four weeks. Um, before you can really assess if it's working for you or not. Okay, good insight. And actually, sorry, that's led me to think of another question. Um, Change in seasons. Yes. A lot of people would notice the change in seasons could exacerbate um, some eczema or breakouts or dryness. Yeah. Is it similar? Like should you allow 28 days of that new season before your skin sort of acclimatised or is it not that simple? Um, I think... I think you need to be aware of the change. It's it's often a change not only in the environment, so our heaters are on 24-7 and then we go outside and our faces zapped with cold air. Um, but then also our diets often change too. So people might find that they're having kind of more comfort food, so more sugars and refined carbohydrates might be creeping in. Um, so, you know, you need to look at all of those things. And then on top of that, topically, your skin because it is exposed to the harsh elements of, you know, heaters and, and cold air and wind. Wind creates havoc with our skin. You need to make sure that you're using a richer skincare routine, particularly at night, so adding in like a serum into mm-hmm. your moisturiser. So, um, yeah, but you would you would expect um, if you were if you were noticing your skin was very dehydrated from from the weather, for example, that 
and you added in a serum, you, you would hope that after we would see results pretty quickly, um, to, to hydrate the skin, but yeah, it's diet. What are you eating? What's the weather doing? What's your skincare doing? It's all of those factors you've got to take into account. It's all of them. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. So great to talk to you. Um, I know we've gone down a few more rabbit holes. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's episode. Now, before you move on to the next thing, get a pen and write down one thing that inspired you from this week's show. That one thing you know you need to go away and start doing differently. Please also remember that this show is not intended to diagnose or treat any health conditions. So if you need tailored support and you'd like to do that with me, please head on over to my website, nutritionally.com forward slash work with me, where you can learn what it means to work with me. 